Well, good morning. It is uh, it's always an honor to fill the pulpit anytime, but uh, as I've gotten to know uh, First Baptist Church over the last uh, few years, uh, it's, it becomes more and more uh, of an honor and a joy to be here because I, I like to I like to get hugs from Miss Carol and, and, and see Steve and all the youth. And uh, you guys are amazing. You've been a blessing uh, to me. You've been a blessing to our ministry. And I just want to say thank you uh, for the hospitality. I understand Pastor Jonathan's away with his family. And uh, I know how valuable that time can be. And I just hope that uh, they're having a great time uh, as a family. Um, you know, you guys are... Um, uh, pretty significant to us in, in the aspect of your partnership with our missions organization. If, if you don't know, uh, I'm a missionary in Panama. I also do a ministry in Colombia. Uh, the primary focus of, of what we do is church planting and church equipping. To, to make it a little more simple, we want to equip churches to plant churches. We, we want to identify areas of, um, of people. There are no evangelical churches, uh, or there are very few evangelical churches, and we want to try to correct that and put evangelical churches in those areas. One location uh, that you guys have been hands-on with us is out in the Caribbean uh, off the coast of Panama, uh, a village called Salt Creek Village. I I walked in that village for the very first time uh, in January of 2020, and uh, we were told at that time that we were the first missionaries to be in that village in over 20 years. Um, and you walk to that village and you see a Jehovah Witness church. Uh, you see a Mormon church. They have a tribal religion uh, place of worship. They have a prosperity gospel cultish type uh, church in there. And they have a Catholic church. There, there, are, there was no evangelical Baptist I mean, I'm Baptist. I'm Southern Baptist. I'm true and true, but we just call it evangelical church down that part of the world. Um, There was not one, but now there is. And this morning, right now, um, they're wrapping up. It's it's uh, they're they're wrapping up their their worship time there uh, in the Salt Creek Village. They have a building now. Uh, They have um, they have a presence in the community, and a part of that is because of First Baptist Church in Oklahoma. Because you've sent teams down there and you have gone to, uh, to huts and you've shared the gospel. You have taken in food and medical supplies and you've been a presence. You, you have helped that church become what it is. And then in July, we had the, the, the great, great honor to go into a brand new village um, called San Cristobal Arriba, which is a higher area of, of the, of the uh, of village of, of the island of San Cristobal. Um, First Baptist Church of Enid, Oklahoma. You were there, right? First mission group to ever go in that village. No missionaries had ever been in that village until you guys went there. And now we have um, a small gathering. We're not even close to having a church yet, but we have a small gathering of people that will gather to do discipleship and do a Bible study. Uh, we've been able to go back with a couple of other teams and take in more supplies and love on people and do activities. Um, and we're uh, December 16th. Pray about December 16th because they're going to they're gonna go back in that village and they're going to have a Christmas party. And uh, they're going to give away gifts to the kids and tell the Christmas story. And this is a village, this is a people group 
that has witch doctors. They have shaman. They, they, I mean, it's, it's, it's not just uh, the Mormons and Jehovah Witness and the Catholics. I mean, there's tribal religions. This is, Panama is, I tell people this, Panama, you're on the forefront of spiritual warfare because you have all the tribal religions, you have all of the uh, religions that we're, we're used to, and then you have Eastern religions because there's a large influx of, uh, of people from Asia that are in Panama. Um, and so you have all the Eastern religions as well. There's a religion, you could look it up if you wanted to know more about it, um, but there is a religion called the Baha'i faith. And in around the world, uh, there are eight Baha'i temples around the world. The Baha'i faith, I'm going to talk to you about that here in just a second when I get into actually preaching to you. But the Baha'i faith um, basically believes that all avenues lead to the same place, right? And one of those eight temples in the world is in Panama City, Panama. So it is the forefront of spiritual warfare. And, and First Baptist Church Enid is making progress for the kingdom of God on the mission field through Pan- in Panama. And I just want to tell you, thank you for that. Thank you for blessing me with your presence. Thank you for your partnership. Thank you for sending people down. <clears throat> We've had two teams from you guys this year and can't wait for July to get the next team from you guys to come down. And I, I will be around, even if you can't make it to the lunch, I'd love for you to be able to make it to the lunch if you'll talk to Steve. But if you can't, you got a question, you want to give me a phone number, whatever, um, I'll be around for a little bit after, after the church service, okay? If you've got your Bibles, we're going to go to uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. <clears throat> John chapter 14 is where we're going to start. And I would love, I, I, I know you guys prayed, and I, I just so love hearing prayers, but I, I would like to have the opportunity to pray uh, as well as we're opening up our Bibles. John chapter 14 is where we're going to be. But let's go to the Lord. Father, we love you. This is your day. Lord, this is your time. God, you know our hearts. You know what's in our mind. Uh, God, you know our situations, our circumstances. Father, you know our needs. And right now in this moment, in various capacities, in various ways, we need your presence. We need your touch. We need your peace. Lord, we, we need your calmness. Father, we need you to just tell us you're here. So God, would you use this moment as we study your word to speak to us? Would you use this moment to reveal to us how real you are and how, how much you desire us? God, this is your day. This is your time. Lord, let us honor that. Let us respect that. But God, let us respond to that in a way that is life-changing, in a way that is encouraging, in a way that is motivating, Lord, in a way that is powerful, not for our benefit, but for your glory. And Father, we ask this in your holy name. Amen. In John 14, uh, verse 6, Jesus says uh, a phrase that many of you may already be familiar with. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I'm the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, there are, in the Gospel of John, there are seven uh, I am statements from Jesus. There are seven, seven times Jesus makes a statement that's I am. Now, one thing that I get asked a lot when I was in pastoral ministry, when I was in collegiate ministry, when I was in young adult ministry, when I was in student ministry, people were always coming and saying, give me a quiet time idea. Where can I study the Bible? Where, where, where can I, what can I read? What can I learn? What can I pray? All right. I'm going to give you a week's worth right here. So if you got something, I know your bulletins have a note section or whatever. I'm going to give you seven, at least seven days. You can spend two days, maybe three days on some of these, but I'm going to give you at least seven days worth 
of Bible study material really easy, really fast, all right? Here it is. There are seven statements in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. The first one is in John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. The second one you find in John chapter 8, verse 12. So John 6, 35, John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. You find the third one in John chapter 10, verse 9. John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door. The fourth one is in John chapter 10, verse 11, same chapter. He says, I am the good shepherd. If you go over another chapter to to John 11, verse 25, you find the fifth statement. John 11, 25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection. The sixth statement is what we're going to talk about this morning, but still keep it down there because God could very well reveal some, something to you that he didn't through me or through this time. But in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And then the seventh one is in John chapter 15, verse 1. John chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine. So there's the seven I am statements from Jesus. If you start tomorrow morning, it will carry you through next Sunday. And you'll be able to do at least one Bible verse, a focus on what that means at a time of prayer for the next seven days. You have it right there. But I'm telling you, some of these you can spend two or three days if you really break that down and begin to look at what does that mean when he says I am the door. The door to what? Okay, it's there. You can find it. You can research it. You can study the significance of that. And you can spend way more than just one day on those things. But there's at least seven. We're going to focus on number six. But here's what these seven things teach us. We're going to focus on one of the seven, but they are the theme through all of these is that it is Jesus and no one else. There is no other way. There is no other avenue. When he says, I am, it's the exact same verbiage, the exact same context that we find with Jesus talking to Moses. When, uh, when God talks to Moses through the burning bush, right? Moses is in the desert. He's tending the flock. The bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. He goes over to it. God says, you're going to go back to Egypt. You're going to deliver my people. And Moses says, hey, I don't know if you knew this or not about me, but in Egypt, they kind of want to kill me. So I don't think I'm the man for the job. And God says, I don't think you understand who I am. Let me tell you who I am. And he says what? Moses says, who, who, when I get back there, who do I tell sent me? I am. All right? It's, it's Jehovah. It's Yahweh. It's, it is the personal name of God. And then Jesus is, and that's it. Whatever your problem is, whatever your hopes are, whatever your dreams are, whatever your concerns are, whatever your joys are, it's Thanksgiving. Whatever you're thankful for, it is Jesus. Everything is is about Jesus for the life of the believer. And these seven statements, they only go to reinforce that belief that it is Jesus and it is no one else. There's a phrase that we use in our language. That phrase is, all roads lead to Rome. Some of y'all said it. The other words like, I don't know, the post office. No, all roads, all roads lead to Rome. What are we saying? What we're saying is that there's more than one way to get to our destination. Okay, I came into town last night, and I sent Steve a text. I was like, hey, man, I made it. And he's like, you want some ice cream? I'm like, yeah, I want ice cream. He's like, let's meet at Brahms. And I looked at the map. Brahms, I could have walked there in three minutes. But I looked at the map, and I could go this way or that way or that way or over here. There are multiple ways to get to Brahms. 
And so what we say is, uh, it basically says it doesn't matter what our process was. It doesn't matter what our choices are or our methods. It's all going to come to the same result. And it's based off of the actual Roman Empire. The Roman Empire had this advanced system of roads, and all major roads led directly to the capital city of Rome. And that's where we get the phrase, all roads lead to Rome. But you cannot incorporate that phrase when it comes to our spirituality, much less our eternity. There are not multiple roads to your eternity. There's two roads. You have eternity, okay? Don't get me wrong. You have eternity. But there's only two avenues. You have eternity with God, or you have eternity apart from God. And if you want to have that eternity with God, there's only one way, and that comes through Jesus Christ. That's why he says, I am the way. He's the only way. He's not a way. He's not an option. He is the way. And if you're wanting to understand more about how you advance your life in the blessing and the fullness of Christ, then you have to understand that there is only one path, only one avenue, only one way. It is Jesus. And you're not going to grow in your faith by trying to change your appearance. You're not going to grow in your faith by increasing your social media presence. You're not going to grow in your faith by, Jonathan's gone, okay. You're not going to grow in your faith by just being here in church. You will grow in your faith by recognizing Jesus is the way. If I want to be a better father, Jesus is the way. If I want to be a better man, Jesus is the way. If I want to be a better missionary, Jesus is the way. If I want to be a better person, Jesus is the way. Well, we don't talk about a lot. If I want to have better mental health, if I want to have better physical health, Jesus is the way. He is the way. He is the only way. And we have religions like the Baha'i faith that I mentioned earlier. They can see, they say you can be from this denomination or this religion. You can have this belief or you can have that belief. You can trust this book or that book. And ultimately, we're all going to get to the same destination. That is not biblical. There is nothing in the Bible that supports that. You won't find it in the text right here. There is one way to eternity with Jesus Christ. There is one way to eternity in heaven with God. There is one way to walk the streets of gold. There is one way to sing by the crystal sea. There is one way to stand and bow and kneel and worship at the altar of the Father. It is through Jesus Christ. He is the way. There's no other possibility. And there are people around the world who don't understand that. There are people in your community who don't get that. There, there are people, and there may be people in your family. There may be people right here in this room this morning that's never clicked with them. A few years ago, I was in Boca Still Thoreau, Panama. That's where you guys work with us. Walking down a, a, a path, we get to a house. A uh, pastor's wife from uh, Cochrane, Georgia, and one of the other ladies from the team is with me. We go in and we begin uh, to share the gospel with the lady. We're bringing her a bag of groceries. Uh, that's our end. They know we got, look, I'll listen to you because you got a bag of groceries and I'm pretty confident you're going to leave that for me. So I'll listen to what you have to say. And we go in and, and we share the gospel with her. We do the three, uh, three circles method of, uh, of evangelism. And, and we talk to her for a minute and she's, she's drinking it in and she's accepting it and she's understanding it. Um, and then she says, uh, the pastor's wife from Georgia says, would you like to pray and, and receive Jesus in your heart? And she says, I don't think so. And I was like, what? I didn't expect that response because she was listening. She was attentive. She was nodding to us. Um, and I just didn't expect that response. 
And so they talked a little bit more. And, um, and she said, now, would you like to ex- pray and accept Jesus Christ? And she goes, I, I don't think I want to do that right now. So I said, can, can, may I ask you why? What is your, what is your hang-up? What, what's preventing you from making that decision right now to follow Jesus? And she looked at me and she says, I've never heard this before. No one has ever told me what you just came and told me. And I, I need to think about that. I need to process that. We still live in a world, and this was, a, this was two years ago, by the way. We still live in a world where there are people who don't know of Jesus, much less know that he's the way. That is still a very real part of our society and our world. And if you understand that Jesus is the way, then you understand the need to share that. Whether you come in with me, or whether you're going to school, or going to work, or you're going out to mow your yard, everything about you needs to be willing and able and competent to share that Jesus is the way. And the reason why is because of the second thing he says in John 14, 6. He says, I'm the way, but he also says, I am the truth. I am the way, and I am the truth. And you have to read that with an and, okay? Because it's not like, if you, if you, we, we, Sometimes we get lazy in our language and we say he's the way, truth, life, right? But you have to say and because it, it stacks, right? So like, uh, let's say, you know, Thursday, Thanksgiving happens and then Friday, we're, we're fully into Christmas season. By the way, there are so many things about Panama that are just amazing. Um, for example, I woke up this morning, guys. I woke up this morning. I'm getting ready. I hear the thunderstorm the thunder and the rain. I'm like, oh, it sounds like home. This is what Panama sounds like. And I walked outside. That's not what Panama feels like. It is so cold. You go outside in a thunderstorm in Panama and it's still 90 degrees. You go out here and it's like, oh man, I'm not ready for this. Steve, I walked into Steve's Sunday school class and he's like, oh, you're overdressed. And I said, yeah, it's cold. This is necessary. All right. This, I, have been, I got back to Oklahoma a week ago today and I have been freezing ever since then. And I know it's not even cold yet. It's not even cold yet. But um, the other thing that, uh, that's great about Panama is that they start the Christmas season on November 1st. Because they don't have Thanksgiving, right? So November, they have, they have Halloween uh, on the 31st of October. And then, boom, you go to the mall on November 1st, and there's Christmas trees, and there's songs, and all that stuff. And right now, they are celebrating Christmas. I had uh, some friends that were going to a, a big Christmas tree lighting celebration thing, even last night. And we, we, I mean, I think it's appropriate to wait till after Thanksgiving, but they don't have that obstacle down there. So you go from Halloween, boom, November 1st is Christmas time. So let's say it's Christmas, right? Because we all like Christmas because we get stuff, right? And I say to you, hey, I'm going to get you this, this, this. But I don't use the phrase and, right? So I'm going to get you money, I'm going to get you food, and I'm going to get you a game, right? But I don't use the phrase and. I say money, food, game. You're thinking, okay, what, what does he mean there? Is it, is it like one of those three things? I'm not, is there an option here, right? And so it loses some significance unless I said it like this, I'm going to get you money for Christmas and I'm going to get you some food for Christmas and I'm going to get you a game for Christmas. And that way, you know, you're getting all three things. You have that confidence. And so when we just say Jesus, way, truth, life, it means he can be one of those things. 
But when we say Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, then we understand we get all three. They're all a package deal with Jesus. And so Jesus is the way. We just talked about that. But he's also, he is the truth. So he's the way and the truth. What is he the truth of? What, what are we trying to figure that out? Well, he's the truth about God. All right. The Bible says in John chapter, uh, chapter one, in the beginning was the word, right? Ready? Ready for this? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh. Jesus is the truth about God. You want to know the truth about God? God is all powerful, all present, all knowing. God is all loving. God is supreme. God's sovereignty reigns the universe. It rules the galaxy. It rules the universe. God will always be sovereign. There will never be a circumstance in your life that God goes, whoa, whoa, where, I didn't see that coming, right? One of you dear people, I don't know who you are. I'm sorry, I forgot who we are, but I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to pull you out, but I got lost leaving Sunday school, trying to come. See, churches in Panama are like so small, right? You can't get lost in them, but I got lost. I left Sunday school. I thought I was supposed to go downstairs, but I didn't. And I was trying to find the worship center. And one of you sweet, sweet ladies, I don't know who you are. I just want to apologize in front of everybody. I went up to you and I said, excuse me, how do I get to the worship center? And I scared you. Like you were like, ah! Like you literally did that. And I'm not going to ask you to identify yourself, but I'm looking for someone blushing because you, you're in this room probably. But that never happens to God. God never gets caught off guard. Why? Because he's sovereign. And what we see from Jesus, we see the will of God, we see the love of God, we see the sovereignty of God, and guess what else we see? We see the power of God coming up out of the grave. Jesus is the truth about God. You want to learn about the nature of God? Read the Gospels. Read the life of Jesus. It will teach you about the nature of God. Read the, read the prophets. Read the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled, the prophecies of the coming of the Messiah, the fulfillment of the Messiah. You want to learn about God? You want to know how God thinks about you? Listen to the teachings of Jesus. You want to know what God desires for you? Listen to the teachings of Jesus. You want to know how, how passionately God pursues you? Listen to the teachings of Jesus. He's the truth about God. We disqualify ourselves from so much because we feel guilty. We disqualify ourselves so many times because we feel ashamed. We disqualify ourselves so many times because we just feel we're not worthy. But we find Jesus finding the people and, and fellowshipping with the people that society deemed unworthy. The Pharisees, the, the religious rulers of the time, they couldn't stand Jesus because Jesus wasn't with them. He was with the people they deemed to be unworthy. Church, listen to this. If you hear nothing else that I tell you this morning, take this home. You are worthy to be in the presence of of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Son of God, the creator of the universe, the being who was so powerful in Genesis chapter one, he spoke the world into existence without getting his hands dirty. You are worthy to sit in his presence. He finds you worthy. You wanna know about the truth about God? Find Jesus because he is the truth about God. But the other thing is this. He's the truth about who we are in terms of our relationship with God. Relationships are fragile, right? We can be honest. Relationships are fragile. Our relationship with God is not based on my worthiness like I just talked about. My relationship with God is based on my acceptance. I have this amazing God who loves me and pursues me. 
who is passionate about me, who created me with a, uh, he designed me, he created me, he gave purpose and value and significance to my life. And he pursues me in that. And all I have to do, all I have to do is accept it. But to accept that means to accept who he is and to accept the changes that he's going to bring into my life. Uh, you, you don't grow a relationship absent of communication, right? If, if you don't communicate, you don't grow. But in communication, you learn more about the other person. In communication, you learn about their desires. In communication, you learn how you can even become a better friend to them. And sometimes to be a better friend, what do you have to do? You have to make changes, right? Well, God is constant. We know that. But we make subtle changes in our lives. Sometimes we make major changes in our lives that we might be truthful about who we are in Christ. He is the truth. You know, um, I love surveys. Um, I love surveys. And, um, and the, the, here's the truth. God, God becomes real when we become real about who we are in, in our relationship with him, right? Um, I read a survey. This is back in August that I read this, but this blew my mind. Are you ready for this? 74% of Americans believe in God. 74% of Americans believe in God. That's a high number. I really kind of thought, wow, that's, that's impressive, right? When you look at our culture. But, are you ready for this? This is where it gets crazy. 74% of Americans believe in God. But 65% of Americans believe that there is no such thing as absolute truth. 65% of Americans would believe that there's no such thing as absolute truth. If, if those numbers are accurate, then that means that there's somewhere around 30 million people in the United States who don't believe in absolute truth. If we're just talking about adults. They don't believe in an absolute truth. That's greater, that's almost three times the population of New York City. But here's what we have to understand, gang. If we're going to be tr truthful about who God is, and we're going to be truthful about who we are in God, then we need to know that God is absolute. God is unchanging. The God of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, is the same God in Revelation chapter 22, verse 1. The first, Bible, first verse of the Bible, last verse of the Bible. That God that we find in Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, is the same God in Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. And the Revelation and the God of Revelation 22, verse 21, is the same God that's in this room right now. He's speaking to you. He is encouraging you. He's challenging you. He might even be convicting you this morning and drawing you closer to him. He is absolute. He is unchanging. And that, what that means is, is that his truth is absolute and it's unchanging. It doesn't bow to culture. It doesn't bow to pressure. It doesn't change with politicians and pastors and leaders. What is in this word has always been true and always will be true. When he says it's right, it's always going to be right. When his word says it's wrong, it's always going to be wrong. When he says it's fruitful, it will always be fruitful. When he says it's good, it will always be good. It is absolute. It is unchanging. What changes is us. And we have to be truthful this morning. What we believe about this word because if this word is absolute and unchanging, that means it's, it's not going to yield. So when our life, 
when our thought process, when our actions conflict what's here, and we know this isn't going to change, it's not going to yield, what does that mean? That means I got to yield. I've got to change. So here's my question to you, church. If Jesus is the truth, if he's the truth about God, and he's the truth about who we are in relationship to God, is there anything this morning that you're going to have to yield to? Because here's the last thing, is that Jesus, Jesus is the life. He's, he's the life. In John 11, um, you have the, the, the death of Lazarus, okay? So Lazarus was a, a close friend of Jesus, and, um, and he receives word that Lazarus is sick, and, um, and he's like, okay, we're, we're going to go. We'll, we'll go, and, and we'll see him. But Lazarus dies before Jesus arrives, and when Jesus gets there, um, the sisters of Lazarus, they, they greet him. And, and Jesus says to the sister of Lazarus, he says, listen, your brother, um, your brother is going to rise. And she says, oh, I know. I, and I know. I, he's at the resurrection. Uh, he's going he's gonna to come forth at, at the resurrection. And John 11, verse 25 and 26, Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then you know what happens. Jesus performs the miracle and he, he calls Lazarus out of the grave. But he's speaking these words, trying to comfort her about who he is, that he is, he's the key to life. She thinks that he's teaching theology to her about the resurrection, but he's teaching reality to her about who he is in relation to physical, actual life. Lazarus had been in the tomb four days at this moment. All right? he, he's dead. All right? he's, it's, not a, it's not a confusion. It's not like he's dead. He's been buried for four days. And, La, and Jesus says, no, 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 no. He, he'll live. Follow me, church. Follow me. He's been buried for four days. He's dead. You have depression? You have anxiety? You have fear? You have struggles? And they're, they're, they're affecting your belief in God. They're affecting your quality of life. Sometimes you don't want to get out of bed. Sometimes you don't want to go to bed. Sometimes you don't want to go out of the house. Sometimes you don't want to go home. And you feel like it's just, it's empty right here. He is life. He's life. And if he can call a man out of the grave after four days, he can call you out of your depression. He can, he, can, he can ease your anxiety. He can fill you with joy. He can give you purpose. He can be your significance. He stamps value on your life. He is the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. You want to live? Live for Jesus. 
Because that's where it is. What we have to understand is our life through Jesus Christ, it's not inherited. It's not bought. It's only accepted through the grace of Jesus Christ. That's why he ends this, John 14, 6, he ends this last phrase being very specific. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Ready? And no man, no person comes to the Father except through me. Here's, a, here's an interesting concept. You ready for this? Your eternal life does not begin at the moment of your death. Have you ever thought about that? We think, well, I'm going to die, and then, and then I, I, I've said it. When we share the gospel, oh, I'll die, and then I'll have eternal life with Jesus. No, don't wait. Why not have eternal life with Jesus right now? You don't have to wait until you cross over into, into heaven to begin to live with Jesus. That's not what he died for. That's not why he pursues you for. He pursues you. He died for you so that you could have that relationship and that life right now. And then at that moment where you cross over, you're just changing addresses. But your eternal life began the moment you gave your heart and your soul and your mind and your everything to Jesus. The question is, are you living that eternal life or are you waiting for it? Listen, I'm going to tell you, heaven's not far off. It's not. For you, for me, for anybody. Heaven's not far off. When you consider how fragile life is and in the grand scheme of things, how short life is, it's not far off. But your eternal life, that's right now, guys. That is right now. What are you going to do about that? Jesus is the way and the truth, and the life. Here's what, here's what that all comes down to. Jesus is everything. He is everything. If you feel in your life, you feel in your heart, you feel in, in various moments, man, I'm, I'm, just, I'm missing something. Something's not there. The first place you should look is Jesus. Man, I'm just at school. It's just, it's not there. Okay. Is Jesus there with you? Are you taking him to school? In my family, it's just, it's not there. Well, is Jesus there? My work and my neighborhood, whatever it is, Jesus is everything. And if you remove him, you're going to feel like something's missing. That's the value and the power of Jesus. So here's my question. What are you going to do? He's the way and the truth and the life. Have you discovered the only way to heaven? And have you made a commitment to that? Have you discovered uh, the only way to God? And have you made a commitment and to pursue, to have a life in, in pursuit of that? Have you discovered that the, the eternal life is right now and Jesus is the key to your physical and mental well-being? Or are you really ready to pursue that this morning? I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask, uh, we didn't really talk about this, but I'm going to ask our, 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 men, our worship guys and gals to get ready. There are going to be people right here in just a second. I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't know who they are, but I know there's going to be people right here. Um, and we're going to pray. And we're going to open up what we call a time of invitation. And the reason we call this the time of invitation is because you are invited to respond to what God has told you this morning. You're invited to respond to what the Lord has put on your heart. 
maybe this morning the Lord's put victory on your heart. You're saying, you know what? I, I realized what you're saying a long time ago, and I've lived a life in pursuit of Jesus, and I feel his presence. And then this, that's why they're here. We're going to worship, and we're going to celebrate that that's you, and that's who God is to you. And we're going to have a moment of celebration and worship. But maybe there is a struggle. Maybe there's, maybe there's an issue. Maybe there's pain and there's hurt. Maybe there's lostness and you're like, you know what? He is the way and I've not surrendered to that and I've never fully trusted Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. That's why there's gonna be people right here because they live for this moment. God picked them and chose them vocational ministry for this moment right here. All of their training, all of their education, all of their preparation leads them to this moment. You're invited to respond and they're ready. They're ready. But let me tell you this, church. I, I believe I said this last time I was with you because I say this every time I speak. If you're facing a struggle, if you're facing a battle and you want to make changes, well, if you stay in this moment, this invitation, if you stay where you are physically, you will stay where you are spiritually, you will stay where you are emotionally, you will stay where you are with that struggle. It won't go away right there. Here, there's accountability. Here there's people praying for you. Here there's support. Here is where God begins that process. Don't skip out on that. We're gonna worship. We're gonna pray. And this is your time to respond. You're invited to respond to how the Lord leads you. Father, you are good. You are good beyond measure. You're good beyond what we deserve. God, you are good. You're good to us. Lord, right now in this moment, we need you to be strong for us. Lord, right now in this moment, we need you to celebrate with us as we worship. God, in this moment, we need you to convict us. Lord, we need you to empower and embolden us. Lord, use this moment for your glory, for our change. And we give you the praise and the honor and the glory. In Jesus' holy name. Would you stand and worship and you move this morning as the Lord leads you to move.